Well, hello, 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 hello. Henry the Eighth, and you can hear the dog drinking the water right behind me. Get a good drink, guys. There we go. Okay, Henry the Eighth. He was six foot three and weighed nearly 400 pounds, probably a little over 400 pounds. Now, he axed off the heads of his wives. Harvey Weinstein, he's six foot. He weighs, well, he's uh, shriveled in jail, so he looks, he now looks like a bag of flour. But I met him in his heyday when he was raping and insulting his way across New York, L.A. and Con, and he weighed in. At the time I saw him, well, let's just say he looked like he had been stuffed by a drunken taxidermist, Steve Bannon. Oh, man, Steve Bannon is 5 feet 11. He's probably 5'10 and says he's 5'11. 5'11, he says. And um, he's charged with contempt. And he's going to trial on Monday. And he looks fat as a sick porpoise. Donald Trump. Now, he has grabbed, pinched, groped, shoved, assaulted, I even see one of the women here in our audience raped uh, 15 credible women. And he looks like a six foot two inch stick of butter. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, Fat men. And it brings us to the two fat men, which we're going to jaw about today. Call her on the phone Call her on the phone When you're all alone Darling, ask Eugene Ask Eugene Ask Eugene Good old Auntie E will fix your shit Okay, the first, the very first fat man I'm going to talk about today, and please get ready to call in if you have a nice fat man you'd like to talk about. The first man I'm going to talk about, the first fat man I'm going to talk about is, uh, I called him the neck. And I meet the neck at Gino's East Restaurant in Chicago where I am a hostess. Uh, never has your advice column, your advice column is asking Jean, never has my lack of all talent been put to better advantage than as a greeter and seater at Geno's. I shimmer back and forth, picture this, between the booths in my see-through crocheted mini dress my running naked body stocking, my two-toned vanilla cream and banana bisque shoes with stacked heels, and I eat, I am not exaggerating, 14 or 15 slices of pizza, plus two baskets of Italian bread, plus another basket of garlic bread, plus 20 or 30 pats of butter, plus four or five scoops of spumoni, every single shift. And actually, I think 
the two baskets of bread is a little bit of an understatement. Ladies, listeners, you just have no conception <laughs> you just, of how delicious and how famous Gino's East Pizza is in 1968. It is, in fact, the Chicago pizza. It's still talked to, there's still Gino's there, uh, but this was the original Gino's. TV glamorosi, local politicians, uh, journalists, gawkers, stalkers, mob guys. It was, and we're going to get to the mob, we're going to get to the mob guys. Mom, you know, uh, they, uh, it, the, it was in a basement. Uh, it was on Superior Street, ah, just as it should be. And it was just off a of glittering uh, Michigan Avenue. Now, I am new in the hostessing racket, but I am already developing a hostess style. Uh, my hostess style in 1968 uh, was I would sit up in front of this restaurant, which is long and dark, cavernous, like the pens under the Roman Colosseum during Caligula's day. Uh, and it's my style uh, to have a dish of ice cream <laughs> always in front of me. And I'm cramming in about $15 worth of spumoni when our doorway was darkened by a large, a large form. And the bartender bats me the high sign, i.e. he gives me such an alarmed look. You know that scene in in Godfather 1 where he finds a horse head in the bed? That's the look he gave me. Uh, So I jump up in my see-through crocheted mini and I greet the neck. To the next, now I want you to picture this, to the next uh, right, to the right of the neck as he enters Gino East is the bar with the frightened bartender. And this bartender is having a secret affair with the black-haired waitress, who is actually a natural blonde, which is unusual. Um, And uh, to the next left is a big table. The big table is where we sit the Italian mafia. Remember, this is Chicago in 1968. These guys never sit in back. Never, never. The back is darker than the Vatican catacombs, so they are not sitting in the dark. They are sitting in the front where they can see everything. So I greet the neck, and the neck hands me a $20 bill. And I shout, oh, uh, gosh, and I hand it back to him. Um, and I gesture to the big table, which is about seven steps inside the door. And he, uh, the neck, he puts the $20 bill back in my hand. And he says, for you. And I say, oh, heavens, I, you know, and I put the 20 on the table where I have commanded the neck to sit. Um, You're new, (laughs) says the neck, coyly, looking me up and down. Uh, you're taking over for Margie, he says. Now, um, Margie, Margie, if you're listening, hello, Margie, wherever you are, you are a paragon of womanhood, Margie. I remember the night when one of my friends took a picture of you, Margie, and you were wearing that 
trim gray uh, suit like uh, Kim Novak in uh, what uh, Vertigo, and you made my friend open his camera and remove the entire roll of film and hand it to you. This, uh, that was an exciting experience in my life. Uh, so that's Marjorie. Uh, and as the ne- neck speaks, the neck, uh, and as he, as he speaks to me and starts talking about Margie, uh, he slides the 20 off the table and tries to put it in my hand again. So <laughs> I refuse to take it. And I put both hands behind my back and I laugh and I turn and I sit down and I sit down with my spumoni. Okay. <clears throat> the next day, at the same time, early, early, like 530, uh, the neck appears in the doorway again. Now, he's dressed like a million bucks. He's fat as a clam. He's big as a whale. He's got a head like an ice chest, and he's got a neck like a highway girder, okay? He, he, and he grins <laughs> at me. You know, he's even shy of the bartender. He, like, uh, avoids the look of the bartender and grins at me. Uh, I drop my spoon and I leap to my feet and I shimmer over to greet him. And the neck puts a $50 bill in my hand. (laughs) I say, home, oh, and I give it back to him. And he says, I want you to have it. And I say, sit. And I step over the table. And I command him by pulling out the chair for him to sit. Uh, and when I yelled at the neck to sit, the bartender nearly passes out in fright. Uh, and by the time the neck leaves, after drinking his half a cup of coffee, he slowly places that 58 on my table where I'm eating my spumoni. Uh, and so I wadded it up and threw it at him. <laughs> And it almost hit him in the air. Uh, it could have hit him in the air. I'm not sure if it hit him. Uh, I like to think it hit him in the air. I'm not sure. Uh, it could have was by him. Anyway, the next day, the neck doesn't show. Nor the next day. And the bartender spends every spare minute telling me about the neck. And the neck, according to the bartender, is an underboss. And as P.G. Woodhouse says, if not definitely public enemy number one, then the neck is absolutely like number 12 or number 13. And by the way, uh, the neck is my name for him. Uh, I'm not going to reveal his name. Um, and let me tell you right now, I do not know a thing about organized crime. Okay. I, I'm except that it's uh, composed of male lunatics, but, uh, I think even the Federal Bureau of Investigation would agree that the Chicago mob reached its absolute peak of glamour uh, during the period I'm trying to write about and talk about here uh, with the Giancana and Pataglia. They were uh, afoot in Chicago at this time. Uh, by the way, neither of whom I had heard of at the time. Uh, I mean, have you ever heard of Giancana and Pataglia? Pataglia, yes. Uh, You've probably heard of them, right? Uh, anyway, because I'm a farm girl from Indiana, the only thing I've ever heard about the mob 
uh, was the, the name Al Capone. And of course, uh, like every good uh, Indiana person, I had heard of John Dillinger. He was a Dillinger. He was a handsome Indiana boy who got himself shot in front of Chicago's Biograph Theater. You remember that? Remember the lady in red? Anyway, so that was the extent of my mob uh, so-called knowledge. So the next the next two days I have off. And I hear you, Guff. Are you? Yeah, exactly, Guff. Guff knows what's coming. Then Nick appears in the doorway again. And I push, <laughs> I push away my spumoni. I stand up and I shimmer over. And the Nick puts a $100 bill in my hand. And I return it. And he gives it back. And I return it. And he gives it back. And I return it. I think he's got a crush on you, says Sam. Now, Sam is the famous owner of Geno's. Um, and he's, and Sam says to me, he doesn't eat, he doesn't drink, he doesn't order. I think you got a boyfriend, Jeannie. Now, in the middle of Sam telling me this, uh, uh, the neck gives some sort of secret signal. And, um, and, uh, I, uh, take this opportunity, uh, to return to my chair. And leave, and Sam comes over to the neck, and they're having a conversation. And then Sam sits down at the table of the neck, and they both sit there, and guess what they do? They ogle me. They ogle me sitting with my spumoni and eating, okay? So here's how I look as they're ogling me. My eyes look like billiard balls, which have been rolled accidentally in a bucket of black paint. That is how slathered my lids are um, with eyeliner and shadow and uh, false eyelashes. It's all totally Twiggy style. Look up Twiggy to see how Twiggy wears her eye makeup in 1960, in the 1960s, uh, in the mid-60s, 1968. That's exactly how I look. I mean, I, it, I had eyelashes like fish scales um, uh, and... Uh, then the lower lashes, I drew them on. I drew them on. And my hair is uh, parted in the middle. And it's pulled back into a low sort of ponytail like the Marquis de Sade. And it's tied with a pale grosgrain ribbon into a bow. So that's, 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 they're ogling me. And this is how I look. And what am I wearing? Well, if it's not the crocheted mini, <laughs> My frock will knock you out. I I am wearing a short, floaty thing of sheer. It's very sheer. It's made out of alabaster curtain material, which I sewed myself. Let me let the dog out. Dude, I'm right in the middle of talking about the alabaster dress I made. Oh, he needs to go out. I, what? Is there a bear? Okay, go. Go. Adios. So the dress is see-through. And it's floaty. And as I walk, it wafts up around me, right? And underneath it, I have uh, the old body stocking, which I mentioned, you know, the body stocking, which I usually wear under the crocheted mini. And then I, now I wear it under the alabaster curtain material. And um, I run up and down uh, between the tables in, in this outfit. And let me tell you, this outfit gets quite a workout because in the entire history of Chicago hostessing, there has never 
been a hostess greeting anyone like me. Because the minute somebody walks in, it's like I say, hello, 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 hello. And then I whirl around and tear down the restaurant like a reconnaissance jet on a runway. I'm calculating uh, which waitresses have which tables. And just before reaching the booth I've decided upon, I twirl myself into a slide (laughs) so that my floaty dress wafts out and then I skid to a halt, cocking my head to the assigned booth. And, oh, by the way, if it's Friday or Saturday, I will actually pull slow eaters out of their booze and shove the new strangers into the booze. And sometimes I take food off the customer's tables and eat it. Okay, so that, um, so that is a picture of my hostessing style. Uh, so there, uh, uh, Sam and the neck uh, uh, have, have ogled me. Uh, and um, they mo- motion me over. And Sam says, Jeannie, the neck has something to ask you. And having performed this preliminary sweetening up, Sam left the table and uh, he leaves us uh, with an enthusiastic whisper, which is, he says to the neck, go ahead. So the neck appears nervous. He looks down at the table like he's just shot somebody by mistake. And he says, Jeannie, would you like to go out to dinner? And I say, oh, love to. Uh, But I don't get off work until 2 a.m. And then the next says, but I mean, he's very humble. He drops his, you know, two or three of his chins. And he says, Sam says you have Monday off. And I say, oh, yes, I have Monday off, but my parents will be in town for a visit. Oh, this is, oh, it's too bad. My parents will be here. I mean, uh, you know, really, it's disarming mendacity at its peak. Uh, So the next three times the neck asked me to dinner, I am babysitting for a friend. I am (laughs) volunteering at the nursing home. I am taking a night class and... You know, right around the time I was taking the night class, uh, Sam, the owner, comes over to me and he says, Jeannie, listen, your admirer has a proposal for you. And I said, oh, I like proposals. And uh, Sam says, can you come in early tomorrow so you'll have some privacy? And so here's what happens the next day. I'm alone, Gino's sitting in the front of the restaurant. In comes the neck. And I am wearing my uh, see-through crocheted mini, my body stocking, my stacked heels, my hair pulled back in a bow, my eye life, my eyes are lacquered uh, so much they look like sandwich plates (laughs) singed in a fire. And uh, the neck asks me to sit down. And I sit. Well, I don't sit. I perch. I perch. I perch at the end of the chair at our table. Okay. I'm now sitting at the mob table, at the head table with the neck. And the neck looks at my forehead. And he looks at my forehead with a, a frightened, he, there's a frightened smile, a frightened smile on the neck's face. 
it looks like <laughs> it looks like he's just found Elliot Ness alive in the Chicago River. Okay, that's the kind of smile he's got. And he says to me in a low voice, let me get some tea here. Ginger tea, can't beat it. He says to me, I have a proposal. And I said to him, did you bring a ring? Hey, there ain't no cowards in hostessing. Something better, says the neck. And his neck looks like twice as large as usual. And he swells about and he heaves. Um, he heaves a sigh. You know, actually, he actually heaved a romantic sigh. I mean, people talk about romantic sigh. This guy actually heaved a romantic, actually did it. And we are alone. Okay, we have got the restaurant jars. I mean, they're in the back dicing vegetables or something or whatever they do in the kitchen, you know, getting the pizza uh, dough ready. And uh, anyway, but the bartender's there. The, uh, the wait staff is not there. Uh, nobody's there. We're alone. And uh, beholding the neck close up all alone. And I can see his yellowish ice chest face, the tufts of his brown hair. His dark, dark eyes uh, trapped inside his cheeks. Uh, Ferrante and Teicher are playing in the background. So that makes me think that Sam has arrived and put that on the jukebox. Well, it's almost the whole scene is about a little more than I can take. And I say, heavens to Murgatroyd, uh, you know, uh, 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 go on. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I hope he doesn't get down on one knee here. And the next says to me, are you Catholic? Well, this is a shock. And I say, well, I was raised Catholic. And the next says, we got a lot in common. Uh, and I can see uh, that he's working up to something major here. He's uh, trying to marshal his charm. And he says, it's a nice day. And I say, it's It's wonderful. I think if he just pulled a gun, it would move things along. And then he said, I would like to buy you the car of your choice. I'll take a white Corvette, I said. <laughs> Plus, he says, I'm offering you 1000 a week plus 5000 for your clothes, your apartment paid for, and all expenses. Ladies, listeners. Let me translate that into uh, 2022 uh, numbers. That's 1967-68. Let's see what that is worth in 2022. His actual offer is, plus I'm offering you $7,272.09 a week, plus $36,360.47 for your clothes, your apartment paid for and all expenses. Heavens to fucking Betsy, I cried. I don't think I said fucking. Okay, I don't think. I think I just said heaven to Betsy. Heavens to Betsy, I cried. And then he unloads another sigh and looks into my eyes. And he says, think it over. And he places his hand over mine. The code of the Coaster Nostra. I suppose. I don't, I think that code of the coaster noser prevents him from ravishing me on the spot. Um, and I say, oh, I will think it over. 
And uh, then I add, no one's ever asked me to be a mistress before. I'm pretty excited. And by the way, after this, I got off the phone. I got on the phone. I called everybody I knew and knew and told them the story. And, and then with that, the neck stands up and he buttons his dark cashmere coat. I think it's cashmere, which, by the way, he never took off. I never saw him without his coat on. Um, and dropping, uh, you know, one last amorous nod of his chin, uh, the neck, he exits Gino's and climbs the stairs to the street. His driver opens the door. It's a big uh, black Lincoln he has. And it looks, I'm telling you, the thing is as long as a yacht. Uh, and the neck rolls away. And to this day, I don't know whether the neck is shot or drowns in a cement suit in the in Lake Michigan, or if he leaves the country or dies of apoplexy or is arrested by the cops. But none of us, none of us ever saw or have seen hide nor hair of the neck again. And that brings us to the last and ultimate fat man, the ultimate fat man. Um, this Ask Eugene uh, podcast is actually the Ask Eugene column, you know, coming alive. Uh, people call in and ask Eugene and I answer them, et cetera. And it's all based on the old Ask Eugene TV show, uh, which none of you remember. Do any of you remember the old Ask Eugene TV show? Anyway, it was on live every day at 4 p.m. Then it ran again, I love it. I mean, it ran live twice. Now, I'm mentioning this because who was my boss? You all remember, I've mentioned this three times at least, or four. My boss was a very, 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 very fat man. <clears throat> His name was Fat Roger Ailes. If there had been no Fat Roger Ailes, America would have had no Fat President Trump. Roger, Fat Roger is the one who advised Fat Trump, who scripted Fat Trump, and who controlled Fat Trump. Fat Roger created Fox News. And if you don't realize it was Fat Roger who put Fat Trump in the White House, I love you, but wake up. So uh, before Fox News, Fat Roger worked for NBC and created uh, a new network called America's Talking. And by the way, uh, when uh, Fat Roger was starting uh, America's Talking, he interviewed me for a job. Uh, and towards the end of the interview, he said, uh, what's your biggest flaw, Eugene? And uh, I was so startled to hear uh, the great renegade uh, broadcaster, Fat Roger, asking uh, this old chestnut question, I blurted out, oh, my God, I'm pathetic. I can't make an omelet. I have no hand-eye coordination. Uh, I never take vacation. You know, I completely overdo everything. I detest advice columnists. I don't I don't like men in Speedos. I worry too much. You know, and I, I went on and on and on and on and on. I hadn't been the hairdresser in three years. I danced forwards instead of backwards and salsa and uh, so on and so on. And to, just to shut me up, that Roger gave me my own TV show. And um, so 
the odd part of this of this about Fat Roger giving me the TV show is Fat Roger went on to create MSNBC. When he created America's Talking, he uh, was in the middle of actually created MSNBC because uh, America's Talking became MSNBC when Fat Roger left and went to work for skinny old Rupert Murdoch and created Fox News. Okay, you straight on that? Fat Roger created America's Talking, which became MSNBC when Roger left uh, America's Talking to go start Fox News. So that's how MSNBC started. It was started by Fat Roger. So Fat Roger's Fox News has poisoned, well, I don't have to tell you this, uh, has poisoned the country uh, with racist, racist hysteria. Uh, and uh, it's, I'm telling you nothing you don't know better than me, divided America uh, with its hate and idiocy. And so by the time Gretchen Carlson, uh, Megan Kelly, Lori Dew, these names all sound familiar, right? Uh, Andrea Tantros, Rudy Bakatar, here comes a name, Lori Loon, uh, Kelly Boyle, Marsha Callahan, and Shelly Ross. And by the time... They all come forward and tell their horrible. Oh my God! If you heard, did you hear some of the stories about Roger Ailes? And then you saw the movie Bombshell, right? And you saw, oh boy, Russell Crowe in the great. Russell Crowe had Fat Roger down. So I, I thought I was looking at it. Um, he was in the Showtime series. I think you got the. Huh. Did he get the Emmy? I think he did. Um, so Roger uh, sexually harassed and he assaulted and he forced women to have sex against the world. And um, I can peacefully remember that I, E. Jean Carroll, harassed fat Roger Ailes every single day I had a chance. Um, I would harass Fat Roger in the hallway, asking him to twirl so I could see his behind. I would harass Fat Roger outside the control room, screeching, Roger, make a muscle. And by the way, Roger could not resist me asking him to make a muscle. He would grab his right wrist with his left hand and perform, you know, that bodybuilding pose, side chest. Uh, I would harass Fat Roger on live TV. And uh, one time, I wrote his name vertically. Uh, I wrote Roger, R-O-G-E-R, on my right leg. And I wrote uh, Ailes, uh, A-I-L-E-S, on the left leg. I wrote them on, I put on a pair of white knee socks and then with big black uh Markers. I wrote his name on the right and left of my leg. And then during, this is what I did to Fat Roger Ailes. You know, aren't you glad that I harassed him? Anyway, so then during the show, when I was talking to a guest, I faced the camera and slowly, slowly lifted my trouser legs up for the reveal. And there was his name, Roger Ailes. Uh, I would harass Fat Roger when I was giving interviews to reporters by referring to him as the pearl of his sex. Uh, 
Anyway, Roger married Beth Tilson in a private ceremony. And you know who officiated that? Rudy Giuliani. Uh, he officiated. And I have seen the wedding, wedding video. And you know what it consists of? It actually shows me running around with all these fancy guests shouting and making toasts and telling everyone not to worry that Roger is still my future husband. Um, so after Gretchen Carlson won $20 million from Fox News to settle her lawsuit and fat Roger, it is almost unthinkable, almost unthinkable that fat Roger built this magnificent, multi, multi-million dollar uh, broadcast, uh, Fox News uh, and Fox Business, etc. And he was ousted from Fox. Uh, you know, Rupert Murdoch and his sons got rid of him. Um, and Fat um, Roger, who coached uh, Fat Donald Trump to the presidency uh, in 2016, he slipped. And he fell in his $30 million Florida house and died. Uh, you know, I look back on it. I don't know why I harassed Roger like that. First of all, we were good, good friends. We liked each other. He would take me to lunch, et cetera, et cetera. He was in love with Beth Tilson, who he married. Uh, as we know, I was at the wedding shouting that he was my future Um why the psychological reasons why I harassed him like that? Um, oh, I see my sister Barbara Carroll says, you know the reasons why <laughs> I harassed him. Hmm, Barbie, why don't you ask the speaker and you can say why you think I harassed him. I think I was psychologically picking up on the deep current of the future, how is that? Because he wasn't harassing anybody during the, uh, during the time that America's talking because he was in love with Beth. I was picking up on some dark undercurrent in him. Oh, and which the undercurrent which he would later, uh, which, which he would later inflict on the women in, uh, at Fox News. Hey, Barbie, un, un, uh, take your, uh, Thank you. Hey, my. Uh, hey, Barbie. Oh, well, she just came up and then she didn't. Okay, but that it's here. She is. <laughs> I'm having a little trouble with the tech today. Barbie is asking to talk. I am hitting. I am clicking the. Okay, take next caller. There we go. Unclick your microphone, Barb. There we uh, go. Barb, I was. I was going to say exactly that. That. You knew what was, you did, might not have known in your brain, but you knew in your heart that this was something you had to attack head on. Well, see, I didn't think, of, of course, when I was doing it at the time, it was uh, 1994. <laughs> and that was what it was called then was horseplay and fun. We, we wouldn't, I wouldn't think of this as harassment. I would just think of this as lots of fun. And he's my friend. And, do you remember the days? Do you remember 1990? You're too young to remember 1994, right? Oh, heavens no. I was in my mid-20s. Well, um, did you? Did we think of this as being harassment, saying twirl and make a muscle and that? No, not if it was a friend. It was just no. fun. 
Yeah, it was fun. Is that Jane in the background? It is. Okay. Jane, Jane, do you remember that? Jane, come get over here and get on the phone with Barbie. Jane and Barbie are, are good friends. And Jane, Barbie and Jane. Yes. Do you remember the 1994? Yes. Okay. Um, did you ever uh, um, do that with a friend, tell him to twirl and make a muscle and stuff? Oh, yeah. I had lots of friends with bosses, friends that I worked with. Right. It wasn't you say- harassment. It was just fun. What Would you do that with your boss? Hell yes. See, I for a minute there, I started, I, I was telling the story and then I stopped cold. Well, Barbie could see I stopped cold because I was thinking, <laughs> why did I do this? Um, now, why, I guess it was, it was a, actually it was a way of, you know, it was camaraderie. Um, it was a way of showing our power, right? We weren't, it wasn't, well, it, what do you think, Jane? I used to, I used to get the president of the company. I used to give him hell all the time. I'm writing nasty memos. He'd write back. <laughs> See, okay. So, but. All right. So I just think it's strange that I did not let, and neither did you, and apparently neither did Barbie, my sister Barbie, um, let a moment, uh, uh, opportunity to take, to make fun and have, it wasn't romantic. It wasn't sexual. It was office horseplay, I think. What do you think? Who's Barb? Uh, Jane? Now I can't hear either of them. So at least they helped me explain to me that I don't, it's, it, it, it will be something that I, I will take forever to figure out why I did it, but why I suspected that the future was coming and that he would do so much damage to the women at Fox. So much damage. Um, you know, sometimes we pick up on things that we, that, uh, that are coming and we act on them and, only year decades later do we figure out that somehow we had seen the future and we were doing things uh because of it or despite it or to fight it or to get even with it. It was like I was getting even with the future before it even happened. So I guess I could guess um a thousand things and and never quite guess does anybody have uh, uh, are we have any more calls do you have any uh, 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 fat men you want to uh, complain about today because I'm here the lines are open let us and by the way this is probably be the last time we ever hear somebody on a podcast calling somebody fat we're breaking all the laws here we are breaking all the laws. We are not allowed to say fat anymore. Saying fat is not good. Um, calling uh, Roger Ailes fat Roger Ailes, that is not good. Calling, uh, you know, Harvey Weinstein fat is not good. It's uh, fat has been taken out of the vocabulary. But I just wanted in one last time to break the laws of God and man and refer <laughs> to these uh Men as fat men. Um, here we go. Kath. Hey, Barbie. Barbie, hang up. I'm going to talk to Kath. Hello. I'm, hey, Kath, I can't. Uh, Kath, undo your um, microphone, Kath. Yeah. 
There we go. Hey, Kath. Kath, undo your microphone. Hey, hey, Kath, uh, are we breaking the law here by referring to these men as fat? No, because they refer to us as that all the time. Well, yes, they do. (laughs) Yes, yes, they do. Uh, Yes. It's just Uh, not PC or politically correct. uh, You know, I felt strange uh, even uh, titling this the fat men. And then I said, to hell with it. Let's just go with it. Uh, The fat men have caused us this this country a lot of problems. I re- I kind of um, refer to them as slovenly. Ah, okay, that's a good one. Yeah, that yes, uh, particularly Steve Bannon. Steve oh, Steve yeah. Bannon, very very slovenly. So, what do you think, Cass? Should we get rid of uh, the word uh, "fat" or um, or should... no? Uh. No, I don't. Why not? Well, it's the truth. And why do you think the word fat is being taken away from us? Because it'll hurt somebody's feelings. Well, you know. Just like everybody gets, there's no more, um, there's no more MVP or most improved in little league everybody gets a trophy well i sort of you know what i feel bad you're never gonna hear me call anybody fat again ever this is going to be it for me um i had to say it about the fat men i get very upset when anybody refers to a woman as i i mean for me hot girl summer is here hot hot girl summer is here and i (laughs) love it that's it you know kath you're a hot girl um, Barbie and Jane, they're hot girls. We are hot girls, and that's it. I, you know, I, I will, I'm will do my penance after this show. I will do my penance. Um, I will go out and I'll eat five pizzas and promise never to call a man fat again. But I had to get it all out of my system. And Kath, um, Kath, can you say goodbye? Because we got Jenna. I want Jenna to pick up the phone. Jen- goodbye, hey, Kath. Jenna. Call in. Okay. Goodbye, Kat. Jenna, call in. Okay. Hey, Jenna. Jenna, undo your mic. Yes, ma'am. Okay. I'm here. Okay, listen to this. <laughs> okay. Before I play the greatest theme song since Aretha Franklin's Chain, Chain, Chain of Fools. Yes. To announce the winner. <laughs> Of the iPad, I was yeah. giving away on the last show. I remember, and it goes to Jenna Ball. Awesome sauce, awesome sauce. <laughs> Andy E will fix your shit. That's right, Andy <laughs> E will fix your shit. Now, Jenna, now you have a decision. Do Uh-oh. I give you the iPad? Yeah, the ten-inch uh, two-point, the one with all the cameras and everything. Or do I give the money to your charity? Uh, well, you, I my my current iPad is over six years old and it's dying, so I could use a new one. Oh, this is perfect! It this is so dumb. perfect. <laughs> this makes me so, wait. A you time. have no idea. <laughs> well, you won it, and why did you win Thank it? Because you. you you gave two 
really, really great answers last week. Well, I'm glad you think that, that it's not that they were great and that I'm just not overly opinionated. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, they were. Uh, you, well, no, you're not. You know, you have opinions, and that, and that, and that's great. What is, what is your opinion about me calling just this once, just this one hour, one hour, forty five, fifty yeah. minutes of calling men fat? I, 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 and I will never do it again. But is it okay that I did it for this one show? Oh hell yes, of course. Are you kidding me? I just, yeah. Um, it's been, the word's been used so many times to abuse women. Um, and there are so many men who, who more than fit the bill that, uh, I think it's just fine. And I, you know, there's fat and then there's obese and, you know, unhealthily overweight. We can think of a whole bunch of other ways to use it. But in this case, I mean, we, we need to take back some of our words and one of them is fat. Right, especially when it comes to Steve Bannon. And, oh and, my God, I'm looking at the Rogers. picture and just thinking, oh, yeah, yeah. you, uh, you. <laughs> and I got you know, Crystal says, "Fat P H A T is a really cool word." And this is Hot Girl Summer. Um, That's a good idea. <laughs> I want you to enjoy your new iPad. Oh, I can't I will tell email you. You and you Please. will show. Oh, and Kathy says bodacious. Is a bodacious. Word. That's an awesome word. Yeah. Not, yeah, yeah. not, not for Harvey Weinstein, though. <laughs> <laughs> not, not for Harvey. Not oh, well. For, not for the neck. You know, Some people are getting guy. what they deserve. Let me just this say is, that. <laughs> yeah. This is, well, and then uh, Steve Bannon's trial starts on Monday. Yep. So this is going to be a congratulations. Thank you so that. much. If, if you right. knew how much I could use this. Well, yeah. then it's coming <laughs> to the right person. Woo-hoo. All right, everybody. Thank and you, Annie. You're welcome. The SKG Music is by yeah, here Los we go. Caterpillars. <laughs> Craig, uh, the Los Caterpillars are Greg Talenfeld and Melanie Rock. The incidentals are by Little Red Church. Show art is by the Rembrandt of his Generation Sound, James. Asky Jean is produced by Are You Kidding Incorporated. The dog is played by Guffington Von Fluke. The cat is played by Vagina T Fireball. Email us at e.jean, J-E-A-N, e.jean, J-E-A-N, at askyjean.com or send me a juicy voicemail. Click, I may play on the show. And here's the number. Write it down. 845 682 0881. 845 682 0881. Follow us on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. And remember what I always say, darlings fate loves the fearless. Call her on the phone. Call her on the phone. When you're all alone, just ask Eugene. Call her on the phone. Don't sit there all alone. If you need to pick up bone, Bobby, ask Eugene. Ask Eugene. Ask Eugene. Good old Auntie E will your shit. Come around the phone. Come around the phone. When you're all alone.
more shit. 